there's something scary hiding in the back of your closet. Your bathing suits and summer clothes thing you're pretty sure don't fit anymore. What if there was a way to get into summer shape in one visit? Here's Dr. Brian Strand for Sonabello to explain. It really is quite remarkable. Sonabello doctors use a technology called microlaser fat removal, and the results are amazing. We customize your procedure to accomplish your goals. Just share with us the problem areas where you'd like the fat in inches removed. And in one visit, they're gone, permanently. I can't tell you how often I hear clients say how many years they've been trying to diet and exercise those inches away. And we did it in one comfortable visit. It's time to get your summer on. Visit any of our Sonabella locations across the U.S. And right now, you can save $250. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. That's sonobello.com slash save. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And if you'd like to find out what the broadcast schedule is for the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. We're coming to you around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and iHeartRadio. My guest this hour is Dr. Robert Bartholomew. He is an American-born medical sociologist who teaches history at Botany College in Auckland, New Zealand. He has written 16 books on topics ranging from UFOs and cryptozoology to to social panics and bizarre mental disorders. He is known for working with believers and skeptics alike, and while requiring conclusive proof of extraordinary claims, he admits that there are a small number of cases that science simply cannot explain. Robert began his career as a journalist for several New York radio stations, and he has appeared in documentaries on the History and Discovery Channels and for National Geographic. He has published over 60 articles in science journals, including the British Medical Journal and International Journal of Social Psychiatry. His books include the Encyclopedia of Extraordinary Social Behavior with Hilary Evans, A Colorful History of Popular Delusions with Peter Hassel, The Untold Story of Champ 
A Social History of America's Loch Ness Monster, and that was in 2012. And Bigfoot in the New York and New England, Documented Evidence, Stranger Than Fiction, and that was with Paul Bartholomew. For more information about Robert, his website is www.robertebartholomew.com. And Robert, welcome to the Exxon. It has been a long time since you were with us. You are one of the busiest people in the field that I know. Yeah, look, I, I get very excited about these topics, and some people get concerned about them mm-hmm. because of marginalized beliefs. But I am a sympathetic skeptic. I grew up looking for UFOs and Bigfoot. A lot of my friends are interested in this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm certain about is that you have overwhelmingly ordinary people who are reporting extraordinary things. Most people aren't hoaxers. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't making things up. They are honest, sincere people trying to understand something that happened to them in the world around them. How come there isn't, after all these years uh, of research, you know, going back to the going back to 47 with the Roswell case to present times. And even with the advance of technology, there still isn't that smoking gun proof that UFOs are real. How come? Well, there are UFOs. There are objects in the sky Mm -hmm. that people can identify. And people see Bigfoot all over the world. And it's a conundrum in that they see it in New Zealand. Hmm. It's the Coromandel Man. They see it in Russia. It's the Almas in Florida, the Snallygaster, yeah. right? And so people are reporting these phenomena. They're experiencing them. People see ghosts. About a third of people in surveys say that they have reported seeing a ghost. The question is not that these phenomena occur. It's what are they? You know, is a ghost a spirit of someone who is deceased? Uh, is a UFO an extraterrestrial spacecraft? Uh, is the rustling in the woods uh, a, a Bigfoot? And so uh, as a scientist, I'm very sympathetic, but I need the body of the live or right. dead space alien in front of me mm-hmm. or Bigfoot to be able to have more conclusive proof. You know, for Bigfoot's very interesting because... Throughout the entire history of the world, there's never been a fossil body or bones found of a Bigfoot creature. Yet people see it all the time, all over the world. So that's really interesting and fascinating. Even if Bigfoot doesn't exist, it's a topic that scientists should take seriously because so many people are reporting and experiencing mm-hmm. these phenomena, just like UFOs. I always take witnesses seriously. I take these subjects seriously, but I try not to take myself uh, too seriously. I, I'm involved in this. Number one, first and foremost, I want to find out what's really going on. I also find it interesting you know, to get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Someone claims to have seen Bigfoot down the road or something or claims to have seen an unidentified flying object or an extraterrestrial spaceship or talk with space aliens. I find that fascinating. And so that's why I do it. But I also want 
uh, to try to uh, get answers as well. When it comes to Bigfoot, um, I agree with you. The fact that there's never been a cadaver found, there's never been a bone found or a fossil found, leads me to ask the same question you do. Well, then how come people are seeing it? Could this be just like the children who swear up and down Christmas Eve, they see Santa Claus in the sky being pulled by eight tiny reindeer, even though we know Santa Claus doesn't exist. It's funny you should say that, because when I was about eight years old, Mm -hmm. it was about midnight in Whitehall, New York, and I heard this sound on the roof, and I put my head under the covers, Mm -hmm. knowing that it was Santa Claus landing (laughs) with his sleigh. And in retrospect, I'm guessing some snow had come off the roof. Right. But to, but to me, it's real. Yeah. And to a six-year-old boy who believes in the Easter Bunny or mm-hmm. the Tooth Fairy, yeah. it is real to, to them. them. And, and to me, this is what's so fascinating, is that there have been so many reports all over the world. And often these Bigfoot reports are... Uh, very similar and very uniform. There's a there's a a guy in Australia now who has an interesting theory about uh, Bigfoot that um, the Neanderthals were living with human beings, uh, Homo sapiens, coexisting at the same time, and they were actually much more animalistic than the Homo sapiens, and they terrorized Homo sapiens, and that somehow deep in our DNA were pre-programmed in the night to see. Uh, ape-like creatures as part of our um, defense mechanism. Defense mechanism. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So with it's this, fascinating. We also have to be careful when we look at these phenomena because I believe that a majority of UFO sightings and a majority of Bigfoot sightings can be easily explained through social psychology. Um, for example, when they had the famous Martian Panic in 1938, oh, yeah. Orson Welles broadcast that War of the, the World yeah. broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also was in Canada, by the way. There were um, radio stations that carried that yep. broadcast in Canada, and some people were frightened, but most of the people were near the epicenter of the broadcast, which was Grover's Mill, New Jersey. Well, what was interesting was when people listened to the broadcast— There were phone calls to the police from people in New Jersey and New York saying things like, now the radio talked about these heat rays and poison gas. People were telling the police over the phone that they could feel the heat rays as described on the radio. People were actually choking, talking to the police, saying that they could smell the poison gas. And so we have to be careful because as Carl Sagan once said, wherever we have strong emotions, we're liable to fool ourselves. One really interesting example was in Grover's Mill, where uh, New Jersey, where the Martians supposedly had landed. Uh, there was a report there. It was very foggy that night, and some local residents got guns and went out, and a couple of them saw what looked like the outline of one of these giant tripods of the Martians in the distance, and they fired at it. Oh, no. And in the morning, when the fog had cleared, They saw that there were bullet holes in the local water tower. Thank God no one uh, one was killed. How how, how does the the power or the belief factor in someone's belief that, that 
Bigfoot is real, that somebody believes that ghosts are real, somebody believes in extraterrestrials. What percentage of the formula does this play in your in your professional opinion when it comes to sightings? I've always said believing is seeing. Mm. You always hear people say, well, seeing is believing. But if you believe something You'll see and then you hear a rustling in the woods, yeah. all of a sudden your mind can fill in the rest and you, you see what you want to see. There was a really interesting case a number of years ago in Rotterdam in Europe. All right, what we're going to do here, Robert, is we're going to take a first break. I don't want to interrupt you when we come back. Exonation Robert, uh, Dr. Robert Bartholomew is our guest. www.robertebartholomew.com This is the Exon. I am Rob McConnell, and uh, the good doctor and I return on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Exxon Broadcast Network and iHeartRadio. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On the X-Zone Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, Mutual Broadcast Network, and Talk Star Radio Network. Dr. Robert Bartholomew is our special guest this hour, www.robertebartholomew.com. All right, Robert, you were telling us, uh, you were just going to start telling us about uh, a story that was based in Rotterdam? That's right. Um, Back in December of 1978, there was a zoo in Rotterdam Mm -hmm. that reported an escaped panda. These creatures are very rare, and this was a huge news headline. And there were over... 100 sightings of this panda over the next several days across the country. And they eventually found the panda. And it was just about 100 meters from the zoo. It had been hit by a train. Oh, no. And when they looked at the panda, they realized that it had been dead for quite a while and it must have been killed right after it had escaped. So how do you explain all of those reports to police about this giant panda in people's backyards. Uh, Human beings are not like video cassette recorders who take in information. Human beings interpret information as they take it in. And so all you have to do is watch a uh, football game or a baseball game. Umpires are trained observers. They know the rules. They have excellent eyesight. And yet they're constantly are making mistakes and have to go to the video replay. Yeah. So it's very powerful, the human mind, in terms of being able to deceive itself. And we have to be careful, especially when we're dealing with something like 
ghosts and the supernatural. Because if someone says they see a ghost, it's not just that they saw a ghost, it's potentially proof of life after death. And that is a very powerful factor in terms of wanting to believe. Mm, I, I can understand that. Um, when somebody tells me that they've seen a ghost, uh, I, I have to say, well, how can you see something that is allegedly invisible? Well, the other thing is, using logic, mm-hmm. when someone tells me they see a ghost, first of all, I usually believe them. Okay. I'm sure they have seen something. Right. And it's all over the world. So this is a phenomena. It's happening. But what is it? And to me, what's interesting is, why don't people report ghosts that are naked? Ah. I mean, why do ghosts have clothing? And how does that happen? That, that's an excellent question. That is an excellent question. Another question is that, that I have asked is, why don't we see ghosts of Neanderthals? Why don't we see ghosts of, of, of people that are totally from our history way back in history instead of the recent uh, apparitions that appear. And if, if ghosts are real and they're part of the existence of, of, uh, of this world, then there should be a lot more sightings than there are right now. And are there animal ghosts? Are there insect ghosts? Mm-hmm. Um, so what, you, what you're saying really would be evidence for the psychosocial hypothesis, which is um, that this might be some type of human creation. I, I, I agree. I agree. Now, I have been on so-called ghost hunts where I'll give, you, I'll give you a perfect example. About 20 years ago, when I was at CKTB in St. Catharines, I was invited to go along to the haunted Fort George in Niagara-on-the-Lake. As we're going through the tour with Kyle Upton, who was running the tour at the time, people were saying that they could hear, they could hear a little girl talking coming from a barracks. Another person said they heard a violin coming from a barracks. And as soon as these people started saying, I can hear something, I can, I can hear a little girl, then the majority of the group also heard the violin and the little girl. Now, what really confounded me and and made me very suspicious about what was going on was that the Fort George where it presently is in Niagara-on-the-Lake was been has been totally reconstructed and none of the original parts of the fort which were 500 feet away from where the fort sits today how could they be hearing something that had nothing to do with the existing uh, structure and yet, one person heard it, then more people heard it. We did, an, we did a, um, an experiment downtown Toronto on the corner of Bloor and Young. I just stood up on the corner, and this was for another radio station, and just looked up into the sky. There was nothing up there. I was looking straight up. A crowd gathered to see what I was looking at. And within minutes, people saw something in the sky that wasn't there. There was a really interesting example of that that occurred at Loch Ness. 
a number of years ago mm-hmm. where a researcher pulled his car over by the lake and was just pointing at the lake. And other cars pulled over and people thought they could see the, the Loch Ness Monster. And somebody even wrote, drew a sketch of it, but there, there was nothing there. Um, the mind is, is very powerful. And people can see things that, that aren't there. And, and that's why we have to be so careful. Um, my motto is when you hear the sounds of hoofbeats in the night, first think horses, not zebras, because <laughs> we have to be very careful. We can very easily fool ourselves. However, at the same time, there is that small percentage of really interesting phenomena out mm-hmm. there that science in 2018 doesn't fully understand. And we have to separate that from all this noise that's around us and not get sidetracked by, you know, for example, the 98% of the sightings of UFOs right. that are natural or man-made phenomena, mm-hmm. a variety of things. Same thing with Big, Bigfoot reports. Um, same thing with, with ghosts and people going into haunted houses and you hear a noise or there's a spike in electromagnetic activity in the corner. Whether you need to restock the fridge or just have a sudden, intense craving for cheese puffs, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. From groceries to household items, Kroger delivers right to your door. So don't let one major craving have you reaching for your car keys. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery times not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. To make a rich, smooth cold brew, Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite, because Tim Horton's tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet, cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Hurry into Mattress Firm. For a limited time, save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or get up to 60% off America's top-rated brands, like Sealy Queen mattresses starting at $279.99 or Sleepies at $169.99. In stock for fast delivery, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. ...of the room. I mean, I'm not sure how that proves that there's some kind of uh, spirit there. Yeah. But we, there really is interesting phenomena out there that's not fully understood but most of this, I think, is getting lost in the noise. Mm-hmm. Most of what we're looking at is the noise. Is it also possible, uh, Robert, that not only do we not fully understand the phenomenon, but we don't fully understand ourselves? Is, th- is it possible that there's a part of our brain that we have yet to discover that acts like a projection unit, that we can actually project our thoughts, our beliefs into a group causing a mass, and I don't want to use this slightly, but a mass hallucination. Well, that would explain a lot. Certainly, 
mainstream theories of social psychology mm -hmm. can explain a lot of mass phenomena that occurs. Um, the question is, is there some other, like to me, that would be most interesting with the uniformity of the Bigfoot phenomena worldwide. Right. And how that has occurred, although it has changed over time because it used to be the wild man of the woods, yep. but it's always been there. We've always had that. And if there is some kind of fear of Neanderthal and it's in our DNA, is there some, you know, are we creating this and projecting it through something in our mind? Mm -hmm. Is it just a, a psychological phenomena? Um, that's to be determined. But what I do know is no one's ever come up with a body. No one's ever come up with fossils or bones, a body right. that people have been able to verify before it suddenly disappeared. Um, and there's no fossil record of this creature that people are citing. So as a scientist, you, you have to be skeptical because hundreds of years ago, people saw fairies all over the place. And even that, what's that famous saying with Santa there? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Yeah. He, he says in there, um, there are fairies around. No one, no one would question that. Um, so we, we have to be careful. And I come back to what Carl Sagan said, you know, wherever we have strong emotions, we're liable to fool ourselves. Just because someone sees a UFO, UFOs and Bigfoot are very powerful symbols because um, it's not just that someone saw a UFO. A UFOs have connotations of extraterrestrial spacecraft. And if someone were to see an extraterrestrial spacecraft, that is not only exciting. If they were to make contact with us, Perhaps they could transfer their technology and make ourselves immortal. You know, so in a way, I view the symbol of UFOs uh, as a substitute for God in a secular mm. age in the decline of religion. And the same thing with Bigfoot. Every time somebody says they see Bigfoot, it's an anti-scientific symbol. It's saying, you know, science says Bigfoot doesn't exist, but John Doe down the road saw it. So it erodes the confidence in science. It challenges science. Robert, please stand by. You and I have to take another break. Exonation. Dr. Robert Bartholomew is our very special guest this hour here in the Exxon. For more information on Robert, www.robertebartholomew.com. And uh, the good doctor and I return on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Dr. Robert Bartholomew is our guest, ExoNation, robertebartholomew.com. He, uh, he is with the Department of History and Social Sciences at Botany College in Auckland, New Zealand. Robert, how does the social media now work when it comes to the number of people who see, who feel, who believe? Uh, this must be a big influx into the, into the believers because... I know for a fact, southern Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, has over 1,500 ghost hunting groups. And if you take the vast number of 
paranormal investigators, investigation groups across the United States and Canada. You know, they're staggering numbers. What part of the social media, what part of the films, what part of the television reality shows, what part does this play into the growth or the or the mystification of these topics? Look, I'm all for backyard researchers. Mm -hmm. I'm all for amateur researchers, people who don't have uh, scientific credentials doing research. I have no problem with that. But it has become a problem. There are these thousands of groups across the United States, Canada, Europe, and Mm -hmm. the rest of the world, which are doing research in their own backyards, and it's fascinating and interesting, but where is it going? Um, Unfortunately, there's no central depository for their investigations. And unlike the scientific community, you have journals that you publish in, but we don't have that here, and that's unfortunate. And you also need to have a certain level of standard in terms of how you're going to investigate to try to take out the human part where you can actually influence the investigation yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is very unfortunate because we have all this potential and it would be good if these researchers could get together and have a common publication and have common standards. Unfortunately, it tends to go in the other direction. Yeah. You get, and I've noticed this for years and years with the UFO groups, especially with the Bigfoot groups, and even with the paranormal groups. You get, um, and lake monster groups, you get infighting. You get one group fighting another group. And it's very unfortunate. It's like, you know, they want to be the ones to come up with the definitive yeah, proof and exactly. get all the credit. And, I feel it's just very unfortunate and we have to come together, record all this interesting information that's happening. And look, if somebody is at a house right now and and claims that there's a poltergeist phenomena going on, have a network where you can identify that house and get recognized scientists to come in and evaluate what's going on very quickly. I think. That would be a partial solution that would help to legitimize this phenomenon. I, I agree with you 100%. And whenever I'm out speaking and meeting the public, especially paranormal investigators who, who, who don't want to share the information, I say, you know, in police work, as a police investigator, we had access to, up here in Canada, it's CPIC, the Canadian Police Information Centre. And in the United States, it's NCIC. And we share information. We don't hide everything. We don't hog everything because the only way to solve a crime is by sharing information, sharing the evidence. And, of course, this builds up the case. And I don't know how many times I've talked to these groups about sharing information or coming up with a central data bank like MUFON has done. They, don't, they want no part of this. No, no, no. We'd rather do it ourselves. For me, the key is to share the information. If you want to become respected, 
I think scientists are willing to respect what's going on if you're willing to form a network with mainstream scientists who are willing to say, mm -hmm. okay, I'll come in and, and have a look at this house if you can tell me there's poltergeist activity uh, going on right now. You know, that is so important. The other thing that I've noticed is, now I've published in a number of mainstream science journals, medical journals, yep. and when you do that, and when you publish your findings, you have to be able to take constructive criticism. And a lot of the Bigfoot researchers, UFO researchers, paranormal researchers, don't take constructive criticism well. They take it as a personal attack. When in fact, that's what science does. Science has to ask some hard questions. It's not a personal attack, mm -hmm. but we, we need to ask those questions. And unfortunately, because you're dealing with so many people who are not scientists and have no problem with that, but because they're not scientists, they tend to take these as, as personal attacks and they, and they come out fighting and then this, this Bigfoot group isn't talking to that group and there's a secret spot that they know about that they think Bigfoot is there. And it's really unfortunate because there are some, and I'm sure you know this, there are some really, really sordid, hostile feuds that are going on right now in the Bigfoot community and in the paranormal community. Exactly. And it does not help the cause. No, it doesn't. Especially among scientists. It doesn't. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad that you're out there doing the great work you do. And hopefully one day we'll be able to get everything together. Another analogy I use when I'm out is that we all have a piece of a jigsaw puzzle in our pocket. And if we were all to go to a big table, flip that piece over and work on this puzzle, whether it's the UFO phenomena, whether it's the ghost, any aspect of the paranormal or Bigfoot, work on it together we would find answers. And, and, you know, nobody says the answer we are going to find is the conclusive answer, but it'll be a step in the right direction. So I agree with you 100%, Robert. Um, I understand that you are the first scientist to publish an article in Mainstream Medical Journal on the reports of a sonic attack on the U.S. Embassy staff in Cuba causing brain damage. What did you conclude? Well, that was in the journal of the Royal Society of Medicine. It just came out in this past December issue. Um, you've got these 24 American staff affected, several Canadians, mm -hmm. and they've got headaches, dizziness, uh, nausea, fatigue, memory problems, insomnia. There's a whole list of things, but the big ones that get attention are concussion-like symptoms and changes to the white matter tracks in the brain. Right. And government officials in the U.S. have been leaking this information that there was a sonic attack. Donald Trump has said he believes the Cubans are involved. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you look at this, Rob, on its face value, it sounds very believable. It sounds like someone has pointed some kind of sonic weapon at the U.S. Embassy and they're targeting Americans. But when you look at the facts, that's not what happened. Almost all of these so-called attacks took place in either people's homes or in one or two major hotels in Havana. Mm. It's happening all over the place. And there are a lot of people around when these are affected. People are like, they're standing in the hotel yep. and they'll feel unwell and they'll, they're standing next to people, they'll feel unwell and they'll hear a high pitched noise. And so what I think this is, 
is mass psychogenic illness, mass suggestion. And people say to me, how can that be? That's ridiculous. White matter changes in the brain, concussion-like symptoms. But when you look at the literature, as I have, on acoustical weaponry, it's clear those uh, white matter changes in the brain, concussions, there's never been any association whatsoever with uh, acoustics. It's not possible with the known laws of physics for that to happen. There are cranial scans with ultrasonic devices that are used on tiny newborn babies that's right next to the brain to get a, a good image of what's going on. There's never been a single instance of white matter tract changes occurring or concussion-like symptoms. Um, so something else is going on. When the government says that it's some kind of sonic device, it's just not possible. There's something's fishy. There's something else going on. You know, uh, we were in Cuba, my wife and I, two years ago, and this was way prior to the story, and my wife suffered the same symptoms that what, she, what I guess some people are describing as, as sonic pitches could be something like tinnitus, and my wife suffers that. You know, so whether it's something like this or whether it is something that is, um, would you consider this a psychosomatic event? Yeah. Well, look, I'm in contact with uh, some members of the committee in Cuba that the mm -hmm. government has formed to try to investigate what's going on. And one of the things that has been noted is when these people notice these noises, there's always noises going on if you pay attention to them, Sure. Um, is that it's, there are a lot of crickets and cicadas in Cuba. Yes. And a lot of people have tinnitus. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you look at the two hotels where these were occurring at, plus the people's homes, these um, two hotels combined have over 750 rooms. That's more than 1,000 people a day at these hotels. You're going to get people going there every single day not feeling well yep. and at the same time hearing, hearing a high-pitched noise. So what I think has happened, Rob, is that a few people fell unwell in November of 2016. When Trump took office uh, by mid-January, they started counseling people who were going over to Cuba saying, look, a uh, few people have become ill and they've noticed a high-pitched sound. We think it may be a sonic device. All right, so stand they... by, Robert. I've got to take my final break here. Exonation, Dr. Robert Bartholomew is our guest, www.robertebartholomew.com. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Robert Bartholomew is our guest this hour, www.robertebartholomew.com. Um, Robert, you've also written a recent book called A Colorful History of Popular Delusions. What is a popular delusion? Um, a popular delusion, um, it, it's popular delusions are uh, very powerful. They are a mass 
widespread belief in something that's not true. A good example of this would be something like the Pizzagate claims with the Hillary Clinton All right, yeah. that involved some kind of ring that was going on with children and stuff like that. Or 9-11 was an inside job. People can believe it, but it doesn't negate the fact that there's no credible evidence that it happened. Hmm. So, uh, so this is what we would call fake news. It wouldn't be fake news per se. Okay. Uh, Pizzagate would be, but a, a, a social delusion would be different from fake news. I see fake news as the deliberate, intentional distortion of news reporting for someone's political gain, knowing okay. that it's not true. If CNN, if the Washington Post, if the New York Times report something in their media that something happened and it was incorrect, they will come out quickly and make that correction. That's just a mistake. And people in the media make mistakes all the time and you have an obligation to correct those mistakes. You're right. But when you are deliberately trying to distort the news mm -hmm. like a certain network in America does um, or Russian television, you know, Russian television, you won't see negative stories about Vladimir Putin. Uh, typically on Fox News, you won't see a lot of stories negative of Donald Trump. Right. To me, that is the real fake news. But but news outlets like Mutual Radio, mm -hmm. like CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, these are credible people, incredible journalists. And can I just say, when they had those recent claims about uh, Ray Moore in Alabama, you can't walk up to a reporter for a mutual radio or for the Washington Post and say, hey, somebody did something to me 20 years ago and they just put it on the air. That's not what good journalism in. Good journalists, real journalists, then go and interview like 15 or 20 people that you knew at that time and they look at all sorts of things. It just doesn't immediately. There's a lot of work that goes into this. That's real journalism. And that's the way it should be, because the you know the the media is responsible to the people. It's the job of the media to bring the truth to the people, and I agree with you that there are certain networks out there who would just rather get the sensationalism to get the ratings, and uh, I'm totally against that. Question for you: Have you ever heard of the Mandela effect? No. Okay, this is when, uh, this is something that we've covered on the Exome before, and I thought since you were into the, the, uh, the logical side of the paranormal, this is where somebody claims that even though the newspaper has reported uh, the, the death of President Mandela, that he was either dead before or after the report. Uh, certain things have changed. The wording in the Bible has changed. Uh, the, the way it used to be told or reported or signed or written has changed. And uh, this is what they call the Mandela effect. And I personally think it's a bunch of hooey, so I thought I'd ask you, since you're an expert on, on things. Yeah, no, that's, you know, you have to be careful mm -hmm. when something is out of your area of knowledge or expertise. Yeah. Uh, I don't claim knowledge or expertise in that area. I'm just not sure. Okay, and, uh, I, and I appreciate that. And uh, that's, that's, you know, this is why we have people like you on the show. There, 
Yep. Rob, there are very interesting, powerful phenomena, though, that are effects on human perception. For example, human beings are very meaning oriented and we look at things and want to make meaning out of it, like the face on Mars or um, that's the way we are. There was a woman a number of years ago in New Mexico who was of Mexican background and she was cooking a tortilla and burned it. And as she flipped it over, it looked exactly like the face of Jesus. Now, I don't know how we know what the face of Jesus looked like, but it looked like what we would consider the face of Jesus. And um, she even put it under glass. And to her, that was that was a miracle. And so we we like to 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 make meaning and see things where things aren't necessarily there. As a um, aside to that story, as I recall, her granddaughter took it to school for show and tell and dropped it. Um, <laughs> and and that was the end of that. But what she did was she people kept coming to the house, but they had the picture of the tortilla there, right. and not the actual tortilla. Well, why do why do so many people? believe in in angels, see angels. I've had people on the show who say that they've seen uh, Archangel Michael. He is 30 feet tall. Other people say that he is the size of a human. What is the fascination with, with angels? Is it because this proves to this person that their religious philosophical beliefs are valid? I think it does. It reinforces that and that, you know, when we die, Mm -hmm. we are going to uh, live on. But I have to say, I believe that a lot of people who report these things are often labeled as crackpots or crazy. And I don't think they're necessarily that. A lot of these people uh, appear to be normal, healthy people who ordinarily have these experiences. And there is a phenomenon known as the fantasy-prone personality, and that's a characteristic of that, that people have these rich fantasy worlds, Mm -hmm. and usually as children, they were fairly isolated and developed inward. But the interesting thing about this is people don't realize uh, they present as as normal, put that in quotes, and so they they have these uh, rich fantasies about beings— that they want to fantasize about, that they want to exist and be real, because it can be taken for proof of life after death. But I, I would differ from a lot of scientists who would look at those people and say, oh, they're just a crackpot. There's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people, they can't find anything wrong with them. Yeah. So it's not necessarily some mental disorder they're experiencing. It's just a condition Let me ask you this. Uh, We've got about four minutes left, and this, to me, is going to be uh, an excellent topic uh, before we say so long for tonight. Why do people believe in conspiracy theories that are so dubious? Well, they they have selective uh, vision. They see what they want to see. And they, you know, the Internet now has become very powerful because... You can get people uh, in more conspiracy theories now because you get like-minded individuals going to similar sites. And in the past, for example, a neo-Nazi or somebody might just uh, be isolated from most of society. But now they can go to websites 
and they can converse with like-minded people. And so these are very, um, they're a sign of the times in terms of the power of the social media. And of course, the social media also subverts the mass media, doesn't it? Now sure does. people often get their news from Facebook. And even if you're talking about the president of the United States, mm-hmm. you know, they're, 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 they're getting their news from um, Twitter and, and other places like this. And so I think the social media has a big role to play in this. You know, I look at the Internet as being the largest septic tank that man has ever created because there's more crap in it than there is anything else. And unfortunately, there's no way to control it up to this point. But when we look at the news that is available on the on Facebook or any of the other social media sites, the majority of the news is not vetted. It just comes out of somewhere, it's put up there, and there are still people in today's society, my friend, who believe that if it's on the Internet, it has to be true. Yeah, it is truly a sign of our times. And look, radio broadcasts like yours, Mm -hmm. who are open to talking to people on both sides of the fence and people who are sitting on the fence, I think that is our best defense against things like this and in having very frank, open-minded discussions on these topics. And you, you can't just ban um, beliefs from no. Facebook. And um, they've tried to ban neo-Nazis from Facebook and um, other social media accounts. But when you do that, they tend to come back even stronger. It's like, look, they're trying to silence us. And it can have a boomerang um, effect and actually backfire. So I just think forums like this, open, honest discussion with experts is the best solution we have at this time. It's not censorship. No, it's not. All we want to do are get as many sides of the story out there. And like I said before, I believe the truth is out there. And this is why we've been doing this show now for 27 years this year is to try and get as many sides to a story so that we can find out what the truth really is. Robert, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us uh, here in the X-Zone. The door is always open to you, my friend. Just send us an email, and we'll get you on as soon as we can. So until then, take care of yourself, and once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you from New Zealand. Dr. Robert Bartholomew has been our guest this hour, Exo Nation. For more information about uh, Dr. Robert, visit his website at www.robertbartholomew.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exo with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you got to know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. At Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew Zero Sugar possible. You have no reason not to try it, as in zero. Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. It's zero sugar, all do. With prices soaring at the pump, filling up can be stressful. That's why Discover has your back with cash back. 
Use Discover to earn 5% cash back at gas stations and Target, now through June, on up to $1,500 in purchases when you activate. We know every dollar matters right now, but you can count on us. Get up to $75 cash back this quarter with your Discover It card. Limitations apply. Learn more at discover.com slash rewards.